Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up the bedroom is even better. Whether you're buying a gift for your sugar baby or just for yourself, you can get 50% off at adamandeve.com when you enter the code CANDY at checkout. And that's not all. Adam and Eve will include 10 tantalizing free gifts, a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item all partners can enjoy. Plus, you'll receive six free spicy movies. But the best part is the free shipping. You can get all of this at adamandeve.com using code CANDY at checkout. That's C-A-N-D-Y. So Shelby, what are you getting me? Candy Girl Podcast. Fuck me, Daddy. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Candy Girl. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm your co-host, Emily. And today we're here with Madam Kelly. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. So, hi, everyone. My name is Madam Kelly Provocateur. I am a adult fetish star and professional dominatrix and as well as professional fitness model. (laughs) So we recently interviewed a woman who also, she's a muscle fetishist, I guess would be the term. And when we were interviewing her, we noticed a lot of overlap between this muscle fetish that she does and then dominatrixes because we've interviewed a couple dominatrixes before. So in your opinion, how do those two things overlap for you? Well, for me, a lot of guys definitely like, because I have a dominant personality and with the muscles, it just adds on to that women empowerment, alpha female type of persona, because you have the physical as well as the mental part of it. So I think that's where it, it kind of intertwines for me. How did you get involved in everything that you're doing right now? Well, uh, starting off, I was in BDSM, I think when I was the age of 19. So I was in college and I had a boyfriend at the time that was into fetishes and domination. So I looked into it and I figured that I really enjoyed it. So I decided to go into that professionally. And later down the line, my senior year, I wanted to have a six pack and I decided to get into like health and fitness and I became this awesome bodybuilder. (laughs) I love that. That must have been so much work though, on top of doing school, you're a dominatrix and you're trying to get in shape as like a bodybuilder. Well, first with the domination, everything was just like easy peasy because I've always had like a schedule. So I'd go to school during like three to four hours out of my day. And then the rest of it, I would put it around me pretty much working. So when I added the weightlifting, it was a little bit more challenging because I was doing that during the evening time. But some kind of way I was able to put everything all together and it worked itself out. I remember back in my we're very oh, recent it was graduates. Like two months ago, yeah. Back in my undergrad, I felt like a machine going through those motions. And now yeah. I'm back and I'm like, I could never. Do you still keep up a really strict routine? Actually, I'm pretty much back on a tight routine right now because of the whole COVID and quarantine thing. So I've been spending time doing other things. So I'm back in school for right now. And I'm still pretty much doing my domination thing, but it's more online. So it's not personal anymore, like one-on-one. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about, because a lot of your work that you do, it sounds like you need to be in a gym or around people. So how did COVID affect your life? COVID kind of put a big break into me traveling. So I did a lot of traveling, maybe 15 days out of every month. So I never really was able to just stay put and be at home. But I've always had access to the gym. So when they cut that out, I just started doing things at home and kind of structuring everything to be more home-based, online-based. And it it worked out for me. And so now, since everything's back open, I'm back in the gym. I'm not seeing people anymore as as often just to be on the the safety as far as health-wise, but I still can, like, control them online. (laughs) What's been the most difficult transition as far as moving all of your in-person sex work to online? I would have to say my regulars because a lot of the people that I do deal with that are like more I call high-end clients, they are not into online things because they have to keep a discreet profile. So that's one of the challenges that I've had. Wait, so I now know there are a lot of different types of domination. Are there any like forms or types that you specialize in? 
Well, definitely I visualize in the whole muscle fetish, the ebony goddess, the madam, just controlling, just having that all overall dominant personality to where they just still want to be controlled and owned. So I'm able to kind of zoom in more instead of being all over the place, but have a specific target that I'm focusing on now. When we talked to our last muscle fetishist, I did notice that a lot of the language was the same, like sessioning. I forgot all the other ones. And I could definitely see how it's dominant, but she described it as more wholesome, like men just wanting to be carried around by a powerful woman. I'm not doing that. I'm not picking nothing up. Only thing I'm picking up is the money in my hand. That's the only thing I'm picking up. I'm not picking What do I look like? You pick me up. You uplift me, not me lifting you. That's interesting. So the woman we talked to before this, her job, basically, she would like carry men or she would wrestle them or like she'd throw them. So what do you more do? I mean, well, I can still beat you up and dominate you wrestling. That's my whole, I mean, I, I love that because at the end of the day, I'm in control and you're beneath me. But me picking you up and lifting you up. I mean, I've had people ask that and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Because I don't have to do that. I'm fabulous. You lift me. You worship me. You need to be glad that you're even in my presence. How empowering is it to just have somebody on their knees worshiping you? What does it feel like? It feels like it's supposed to feel like they're supposed to be doing this. You know, it's like they're not doing you a favor or doing me a favor. They need to be glad that you're even allowing them even to be near you. Did you ever have a moment or a time when you felt like you need to do things to accommodate for other people before realizing that people should just be blessed to be in your presence? I know I feel really blessed right now. (laughs) So, I mean, well, just human nature. You want to make sure that you're respecting someone else. That's just just being, I guess, us as women. We're very nurturing, you know, but then I guess I got to a point in my life when I was younger, when I got tired of feeling like I was being taken advantage of or being mistreated or used because of me being a pure-hearted, genuine, caring person. So then, I mean, I was still doing domination, but again, I had that intertwined with me being just a regular human being. But then I just started realizing, I was just like, wait, no, something's off. No, 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 no. You need to be grateful that you're even in my presence because I know what value I hold. And if you already hold yourself at this level of value, you can't let anyone try to bring you down. So it's like, no, you need to show me what you can do for me. Why do you deserve to be in my presence? Show me that. You need to earn it. Yes. And until you do something that's just like wild blowing my mind, it's irrelevant. Whatever you're talking about is irrelevant. Your excuse is irrelevant. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) But what I do care about is what you're going to be doing to satisfy me. Are you going to keep a smile on my face? How can you keep this smile up? (laughs) I love it. So then what does a model client behave? How do they treat you? Well, honestly, I've been very blessed to just have some genuine good men, first of all. Men who were raised right, who know how to treat women and who know their position. That's the key. They have to know their position. If the man doesn't know his position, then how can he come to you any other way? So the men that I deal with, first of all, their greeting is proper. They always have a gift in their hand when they come to me. They never come empty handed. Anybody can have some money. But if someone takes the time out to bring you some roses, some perfume, Those things, those things that people consider as small, but they're really, really big because that shows you the type of character of that person. So those are the type of clients that I run across. And then from there, they just worship and cater to my every need. And they're all about me, not about, okay, yes, I contacted you and I let you know what I was interested in, but they're about me, what's going to make me happy. And that's what I pretty much gravitate to. So I would argue most men are not like that. What about you do you think attracts these people to you? My natural just dominant (laughs) demeanor and they can sense it. I mean they kind of tell me they're just like I saw you and I looked in your eyes and I could tell you were just the one and you were genuine. Then when they then when you put 
the videos onto it, or either if they're like chatting with me on a cam show or something like that, they're just like, wow, I knew it was real. And that just what draws them in. Because the guys that are really into it, they know who's like pretending and who's, you know, doing it just for like financial gain. I mean, they've had years of dealing with all these different type of women because it's that one particular that they're looking for. You know, it's that one that they're just like, they're waiting on. And when you're that one, they just come. Like I have all over the world that I've known for over six, seven, eight years of loyalty. That's how real it is. And if I message them right now, they're going to be at my beck and call. And we're not even in the same country. But every time I step, step down in their country, they're running to see me. You're so powerful. <laughs> Do you feel like that you have the people who are attracted to the profession that you do are a certain kind of like submissive people? Or do you feel like sometimes you'll get clients who are trying to challenge you as a dominatrix? Oh, it's both. You know, it, it's both. I mean, you kind of can't have the, it's not always going to be peachy or cream, you know, that's why it's good to kind of go through like the emails and, and really know how to read an email, just not off of what a person is saying, but how it starts off from the beginning to the end, you know, to see if this person already has a kind of a ego type of setting in their head. So when they're talking to her, when they're like, okay, well, y'all want to challenge her. And a lot of these guys say, okay, well, I do the wrestling. So they're like, oh, well, I don't know if she's strong or not. So I'm going to challenge her to see if she's strong or not. And I'm just like, okay. So when I see them, when we're like neck to neck and then they want to challenge me, I destroy them. And first I destroy their ego. And once I destroy their ego, I break them down physically. Any tips on destroying men's egos? Oh, that's easy. Well, first, it just starts off intellectually. Everyone knows women are more smart than men. A lot of women just don't know that because, unfortunately, we've been trained to think that men were more superior than women. When a lot of successful women have dominated men career-wise, athletic-wise, I mean, you have all these cool things, but we just have to tap into it. Yes, ladies, please realize your worth and potential. Yeah. If you look at how many women graduate college compared to men, I mean, just statistics showing it's very high, but a lot of women don't just say, okay, you know what? I can, I can be that CEO. I can be that head of that company instead of being, having that worker mentality to where I have to settle for this low end position because a majority of the time it's a male dominant position a lot of times. So it's just stepping out on faith and going for it. And that's all I did. And I haven't looked back since. Yes. Do you have like a particular system for how you choose clients? Are you very selective about who comes to you? Yes. I mean, I pretty much allow anybody to contact me, but that doesn't mean I'm going to respond back to you. So, I mean, again, I just have like a, I have a certain like radar along with looking for keywords and it's, it's a lot. I don't go for the person that's quick to try to throw out a dollar like I'm some type of object. When half the time, bitch, I can buy you if I wanted to. It's true. <laughs> and I let them know. I'm like, I choose you. You don't choose me. I see. I said, see, that's the difference. I said, because you're used to dealing with women that need you. It's a difference when someone does not need you. You need me. But again, a lot of women don't tap into that. And I feel like if more women would tap into that, these men wouldn't feel like they have the control over women that are in the sex industry. It's true. I remind my boyfriend of that every day, and I by far have the healthiest relationship out of all my friends. Yeah, see? Because you guys talk and you communicate. I feel like it's so easy for men to feel like they have the upper hand or they always need to be the dominant ones in every aspect of the relationship when the reality is when everything's done equally, both parties are happier. Yeah. That's just how it works. 
Did Dom work help you with that sense of feeling empowered and you don't need anyone to depend on? Or have you always been like that? I've kind of always been like that because it goes back to when I was younger. So when I was younger, I've been on my own since 14. And unfortunately, my, my parents were deceased when I was like 13 and a half. So I had to pretty much raise myself. So with dealing with that, but I still excelled in, 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 in studies as far as with graduating from high school at 17, starting college at 17 and going right into it. So I never let those things dictate where I would be in life. So it just kind of pushed me harder and knowing, okay, as long as you know you can take care of yourself all the way around, you're good to go. So I think that's where it kind of steers from, me having that strong independence. But now it's kind of like as I've gotten older, I'm learning to kind of scale back, scale back and compromise. So it's it's still a challenge. I'm working on it, though. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing about coming into maturity is first you need to establish yourself. And then by the time you hit like your mid to late 20s, you're like, OK, I need to calm down. You know, this is this is not how like people of this age behave anymore. Well, so. I'm, I'm 36. Look at you. You don't look 36. <laughs> yeah. What was your skincare routine? Your skin looks amazing. Uh, I don't know. So this is me when I graduated. Oh my God. You look like a baby. That is a very bright shade of lipstick. I'm here for it. Yeah, that's college. Wow. It's you look eight. You look so young in that photo. Yeah, that was 08. <laughs> Wild. Yep. So I think just... I don't know. See, like, I've never really been into, like, the whole makeup thing. Never had to do it because, again, all the people that I've drawn to always like natural beauty. They weren't into the whole, you have to do a whole show just to get attention. They were more into the skill. All about the skill and the personality and all that. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And being happy. And eating well. The holy trinity. Look at all these things I'm not doing. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about this a couple times, but when you think sex worker and you think sexy, you always think petite, slim, curvy, feminine. Yeah. And you're muscular and powerful. How did you find being sexy and like sexuality through lifting weights and being, you know, muscular? Because I I owned my look. That's the kind of the whole thing, just being comfortable with the skin you're in and seeing that muscular women can be sexy and be feminine at the same time. It's always how you put it together, just like with anything. I've always been like open about my sexuality, so I don't think that's ever been a problem with me. So adding on like some curve, because growing up, when I, when I first started bodybuilding, I was skinny fat. So like, I was like, I want to get some curve because I don't want to look like a little girl. So I was like, I'm going to grow this body. And that's what I did. And I started seeing all the curves and the muscles and the definition and inspiring other people, like hearing other people's either um, weight loss uh, stories or weight gain stories or, you know, just being able to relate to people all, all around encouraged and made me more motivated to like keep going and and just being and just being just being happy overall you know because it's like it it draws people in and with like a society where you you have to you know they they want you to look like this typical skinny figure or or either super big butt figure, you know? It's like, just be happy with what you got. When you're confident, people definitely see it and it draws others in. Yeah, because they're like, oh, wow. You're just like, this is me. So it seems like you really love what you do. What's your favorite part about your job? Oh, man. So I definitely enjoy the scissoring. I love scissoring. 
because that lets me like show off my my strength in my legs, like squeezing guys and watching them like be helpless. That's an awesome feeling of, of empowerment. Wait, I don't know that much about sit. What parts of the body can you put between legs? You put their neck, you put their head between your legs or either you wrap your legs around their neck and you squeeze them. So I get workouts doing that. So it's just like you're squeezing a ball between your legs, but it's actually somebody's head. Have you ever tried to crush like a watermelon with your thighs or like any type of fruit with your thighs? I have before, actually. And it worked? Yeah, it was like Holy a baby, baby watermelon. A baby That's melon. That's fitness goal. Like, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, just keep going. Just keep practicing. I've done it once. It was fun. I was, I was actually impressed. I was actually impressed that I could even do it. Yeah. I was like, wow, you didn't even know your own strength. Wow. You pop off. But other other favorite parts of your job, I think you were going. I just had to stop you on the scissor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. And then also, I like to do the, the cock and ball torture, where I, you know, I'm kicking a guy in the balls. You know, that's always refreshing. And beating him with a nice stick or something like that, just to get all the aggression out. A nice stick. Yeah. What's your definition of a nice stick to beat someone with? <laughs> well, it's like a bamboo and it's thin and it goes. So it's very quick because it's the bamboo is, you know, it's hollow, mm-hmm. but it's strong as well. So it gives a really nice whip. <laughs> I was actually spanked with a piece of bamboo as a kid. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that actually might. Yeah, that makes sense. That That is a good stick to, to beat someone with. <laughs> My mom knew too, evidently. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's nice and durable. So when I'm like spanking some, some butts, it just goes swoop. And just I bounces off. I how flexible it was. Like that shit can bend all the way back. Like Yeah. <laughs> and what's another? Oh, and I definitely enjoy... Um, the verbal humiliation. I like that too. What are some of your favorite roasts? Um, Is it very customizable depending it's on like customized. It just depends on who I'm who I'm looking at. And I just, just it goes right off the it's like it goes right off the top of my head. So a lot of the times I might say, get over here, you little wimp. And then because they're, like, they're like maybe scrawny or maybe like just fat and just like get over here and then they're all like that and if I smack them <laughs> and then they're like with this look on their face and then I'm like stand straight don't don't, don't bend over that's rude you must have good posture when you're in my presence and then they like try to stand up straight it's really yeah it's, it's very it's very good it's God, very good. I want to fuck with someone but I don't think any of my friends would appreciate if I did that to them <laughs> Well, that's the whole thing you do with just sporadic when they're not even thinking about it. <laughs> they don't yeah. know what's even happening. I feel like if I was a dominatrix, I'd be hitting men like, this is for the matriarchy. Like, you you deserve this, you know? Do you ever feel that way? Always. Always feel like that. Yeah, I mean, that's why you just give them a quick kick. Yeah. Kick them in the nuts. Yeah, let's get over here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just natural. You know, you can't have any, like, emotion attached to it. You just think about all the times, like, you might have had that one, like, ex that you always just want to just punch in the face. Uh, several. Yeah, and you just, boom. And then they're like, I deserve that. You surely do. You deserve more. <laughs> or you spank them. Or grab them by the balls. That's amazing. I love that. I just, in the back of my mind, I was like... You know, Shelby, you kind of date like shit tier men. I think it would be a good idea if you start to, you know, dominate them. That way, when y'all break up, at least afterwards, you'll be like, well, at least I gave him what he deserved. Gave him what he deserved. You're right. They need a reality check, which a lot of guys always do. You know, you just smack them up one good time, and then they just, they remember. Basically, men can be put in their place. It's not impossible. Like, it's not impossible. Yeah, it's definitely not impossible. 
I have to put my boyfriend in his place a lot because he has an alpha personality. It's a fun relationship. Yes. I'm always smiling because uh, he always wants to make sure I'm happy and smiling. And he's like, if you're not smiling, something's wrong with me. So <laughs> he knows what he has to do. I think you guys like guys that are like have alpha personalities or and who have like high position careers they like to have like that woman that they can't control you know because it's kind of like hey she has a mind of her own she can be neck to neck with me that's what i've noticed and since i'm a professional dominatrix that just makes it even more cool because it's like hey if I get on a run, she can kick my ass. Especially when they know you can kick their ass. So, or either you can definitely go there with them to where it's like, boom, 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 you know? And I think that's what makes the relationship even more like spontaneous, you know? Because it, it's it's not like you have a weak link in the relationship. You guys are both on the same level as far as like intensity no one's backing down you know if, if it's a if it's a disagreement you guys are gonna talk it out you know or so so that's that's what I like because with me I, I can't be with a, a weak personality person I tried that and it did not work at all I end up just really hurting their feelings <laughs> all my exes deserved it it's true. I'm not taking back anything I said or did. If you're calling it crazy, it definitely was, but I'm very <laughs> proud of it. They, Women aren't crazy. Men make women crazy. I stand by that statement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. So, so back before COVID, um, one thing I always find really interesting about dominatrix is that it always seems like there's this community created. Back when you were able to do sessioning in person, were you... Or where where did sessions happen? Oh, well, for me, because I traveled all over. So I would be either like a certain dungeon space or wrestling space or like my hotel space. I mean, just all over. So What was it like traveling? And where's the farthest place that you've ever been? Uh, Well, as far as the United States goes uh definitely i enjoyed new york that's one of my like second homes new york and the most funnest place because i go to europe a lot so i'm in europe three times a year so i definitely enjoy amsterdam i enjoy berlin berlin is one of my top top favorite places to go because they're more like fetish friendly and more open toward like sex workers, more liberal. So I, I definitely have to say Germany. So I I have no idea what it's like to, you know, well, be a dominatrix, more or less be like traveling to dominate men. So will people in Europe contact you or is it like, I'm here these times of years, these are my appointment slots. Like how, how does that work? All through the year. Because I've been traveling to Europe since 2012, consistently. I've been to Australia. I've been to Dubai. I've been to Turkey. What? All up and down Europe from Italy to Sardinia to Greece, Austria, France, the UK all of Scandinavia from Finland, Denmark, Sweden, uh, Norway, Switzerland. <laughs> one that one that actually surprises me is Dubai. Oh yeah, that one was pretty. That one was pretty cool. That one's very interesting too. Yeah, my my dad was there for like 6 months and just hearing about it. You know, it's a place where he was like meeting with people and he wasn't allowed to look, you know, any of the women in their eyes. Yeah. That's true too. Uh, what was it like going over there knowing that? It's actually cool. 
Like, I feel like, you know, there's very much culturally, man, I don't even know. There's a cultural difference. You yeah, know? there's a huge cultural difference where women are definitely at like a very different place than men there. So just going there and you just completely like. Well, them seeing my muscles made them say in awe. They were like, you're a goddess. They saw muscles and they were in awe. So I don't know about other women because they like the whole body is sculpted and everything. Because they're like perfectionists. Like they're all about being like perfect over there because everything's so man-made. So they see somebody that's like, wow, you know, you got the sculpted body going with the nice little outfit. Yeah, it it, it worked. Oh, man. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they treated me very nice. I bet they did. I yeah. bet they did. Yeah, I wouldn't mind going back. <laughs> I wouldn't mind going back. The beach were beautiful. Do you think there's like this, you know, another part of it is also just the appeal of flying in somebody like all the way from, you know, the United States just to, you know, do th- like how much time do you spend with them once you're there? Well, it depends on how much they're paying for. I mean, so... If a person's flying me, if I'm going all the way out to some Dubai, that's at least a t- uh, two days. Like if you're flying me out like that, two days or more. A lot of my trips, I've just went on like the strength of me just wanting to go. And then from there I've met, boom, you meet someone and they want to spend all day with you or they want to spend half a day with you. So once they know you travel and and everything and Again, you have to be able to get those type of clients that can afford it. Because everybody wants to drive a Bentley doesn't mean they have Bentley funds. And that's what I tell these guys. I said, yeah, you, you're on a Honda budget, but you want to be in a Bentley. You need to wait and save up. Because sometimes their dream is kind of far fetched out of their reality. Then you have to bring them back to reality. And then regardless of what you say, I'm not compromising what I told you you need to pay me because you can't afford it. Like I can stay at home. Yeah. Yeah. How did you go about establishing boundaries? Because I feel like women in particular have a harder time establishing boundaries because I think they're always getting pushed. So what was, what was that process like for you? I just pretty much was kind of like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And I'm not doing that. (laughs) <laughs> Shelby, this is clearly a bitch who knows her worth, okay? Fair. I'm not doing that. I don't have to do that. And fuck that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I've been even with the with, with the porn industry. You know, that's why I kind of like what I like to shoot. And so it's like, no, I'm not doing that. If I don't want to do that, and if I don't want to do you, I'm not doing you. Because I, I have that option to where I can say that. A lot of people can't say that, you know? So again, it, it's all about what you feel comfortable with and what you have to do. I mean, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. But a lot of people, unfortunately, have to do a lot of things that they don't want to do. And they can't say, I'm not doing that. So for me, it's just, I'm not doing that. <laughs> if, I don't want, if I don't want to do it, I'm not doing it. You can't change my mind. It's no amount of money. You tell me about some money, I'm going to say you can fuck yourself and shove it up your own ass. Good. (laughs) I can't wait to be that level of financially stable. Because the thing is, it'll always be somebody else that's better. It's always better out there. And as long as you know it's better out there, because it's a lot of betters out there. And those betters, I'd rather deal with two betters than deal with ten bullshitters. And I think that's why I've been so successful in what I've, I'm doing because I know what I like. I know the kind of people I like to deal with. And I know the people that I don't like to deal with. And I don't have the patience and I don't have to do all that. I'm not kissing ass for that. No, I'm not that. I'm not her. You want somebody that's going to butter you up? I'm not going to do all that. I'm not. No. You're going to give it to me and you're going to enjoy it. yes i'm always so starstruck by like powerful women (laughs) i'm always like 
<laughs> I, I want to be you when I grow up. I mean, but does it make more sense, though? It does. It makes so much more sense to just, like, own your shit. Because, like, I feel like people will treat you how you portray how you expect them to treat you. Like, you know, you might have some guys that can't handle it because a lot of guys like women that they can push over. You know, so you might be the bitch of the whole, you know, I'd rather be the bitch than, than be that lame bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather be, she's a bitch, than be, she's a bitch giving it all up for free. Just for some attention or just to be liked. It's a lesson I still need to learn. <laughs> I never paid my bills. But so- what paid my bills was that self-respect and them knowing that they couldn't try pulling stuff over your head. I mean, because again, in this industry or in any industry, you know, guys try to push it on women to see what kind of boundaries they can push. And they know majority of women always want, want to be liked, you know, instead of thinking about like self-respect is all about being liked. You know, if I'm liked, then that might push my career a little bit further. So a lot of times you do things you don't really want to do. And you're thinking, well, why, why, why didn't I just say, no, I didn't want to do that. But because you wanted to be liked, you went against yourself. I'm definitely guilty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my last relationship. Yeah. I mean, I feel like sometimes we all do that. But it's until we address these issues and we bring it up, then we'll know, okay, I need to change that. Yeah. I also feel like it's so hard because... You know, especially sometimes when you, you know, look at yourself and you don't like what you see, you kind of just start doing things since you think that maybe if other people like you, you'll like yourself more. And that's literally never worked. It's very <laughs> unsuccessful. Like yeah, Then you see yourself being more uncomfortable with yourself and the whole situation. And it doesn't really help anyone in the end. Then you're back in like a, a tighter rut than you were in because you were trying to please somebody else. Yeah, but I mean, I feel as if you just let it go and just be like, okay, poof. what do I like? You know, and it starts with breaking down those things, knowing what you like, knowing what you don't like. So from there, you're able to set boundaries and you can work on your delivery with letting people know how you feel, but it's all with just being open and letting people know how you feel. I think that's where it starts. And then you can still be dominant and in control, but it's all how you deliver it. You know, I've just gotten to the point where I'm just like, I don't have time for all that. <laughs> what do you want to do? You know, it's just kind of. I feel like I've been hearing these things in therapy for years, but for <laughs> some reason, like pretty much every sex worker we've talked to feels a similar way. Like, especially if, you know, they love doing what they're doing. Yeah. Basically, I just need to go on OnlyFans more and then I, well, I still need my therapist. Y'all, I love you. But like, it's an, it's an effective form. Like, I feel like a lot of sex workers do double as therapy. Like there's something very healing about the whole, whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I have two like signature questions whenever we interview dominatrixes. Okay. Um, so the first one is what's just like the weirdest request that you've ever gotten? The diaper. What? <laughs> the diaper request. The guy wanted to be put in the diaper like a baby. So it was like this big ass human baby. It's a grown baby. Uh, he wanted me to put the diaper on him and then, you know, put the pacifier in his mouth and kind of like feed him. <laughs> this whole, but not going to be doing all that. Yeah, that's a lot. That doesn't sound like you're, based on what I've heard, that doesn't sound like your style at all. That's the weirdest I've ever had. Wild. I hope, I really hope he found somebody who is more than willing to provide that service for (laughs) him. I, uh, because I really was lost in the sauce. Because at first I was like, oh yeah, I can do it. And he came to the place and he had the diaper. He had all his little trinkets and he was like, okay. So, um, I'm I'm going to get in this like fetal position, and then I I want you to kind of like put the bottle in my mouth and like console him like a baby. 
And I was like, okay. I was totally, I was in awe. Like, I never even heard of this. I was like, no, this is really just some weird. He must have really been going through it. <laughs> I hope his childhood was okay. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. A lot I, to unpack there. I just, and was he just like very serious? Like, yeah, like here, here are all the supplies. I'm just going to go like sit over there and just come in whenever you're ready. Like, or was it more like, here's the stuff. Um, like how timid. Oh no, he because I think he he did this before. You know, I was this is my first time. I didn't know anything about this. Like whole mommy, uh, mommy baby type of fantasy fetish, with the whole diaper fetish thing. You know, so me putting the diaper on him, I was just like, okay, this is. This is pretty weird. And then, uh, yeah, it was just really awkward. Like, I never even thought, thought to do nothing like that. And Man, I'd love, to, I'd love to talk to the sex worker <laughs> who he goes to consistently. Yeah, because I, it, it had me baffled. I was just like, okay, so you want me to put this diaper on you and then put the pacifier in there while I'm doing it, then take the pacifier out. So you can get in the fetal position at the end and put a bottle in your mouth. <laughs> and he just was like, yes. And then, you know, he made, the, he made the sounds and all that. It was like he was really in infant mode. Yeah. How do you keep your composure when people are doing things like this that seem so ridiculous? I mean, sometimes I laugh. I'm human. <laughs> <It's okay. Fair. laughs> Or I'll be like, give me one second. And I go in the bathroom and kind of talk to myself a little bit like, what the fuck did I just see? And I kind of shake it off and go back in character. Yeah. I would too. Yeah. I, would leave, I feel like. We wouldn't be good dominated we persons. Would be, yeah. <laughs> you can't like be laughing. I mean, unless the person wants to be humiliated or something like that. Right. But no, you, you, it's all about kind of understanding what the person's interested in. That's why the emails are so important because it gives a breakdown yeah. of what's going on. But uh, these days you need more than just an email because some people are like going all the way far left when it comes down to their fetishes. So you, you think know. in recent times people have started to request, like have more extreme requests? Yeah, because they have more time on their hands. So their mind, so their brain is pretty much, <laughs> brain is working overtime and all these uh, kinky fetishes, you know, and then they're looking at more um, porn or things like that, that are uh, sex related. So you put all that together, then they start coming up with things just like, okay, now how'd you come up with that? Yeah, I completely. <laughs> how'd you come up with that? How did you get to that? Okay, I just need to tell you this because I think you'll be super entertained by this. Um, we talked to or we talked to Guanadora, and she had a request from a client to you know that scene in Willy Wonka where the girl like eats the bubble gum and turns into a blueberry. That <laughs> she had to be that. a blueberry that was being milked for her juice. Like she had so much juice, like she had to be. It was like a very custom like porn request. I just got a. I, I did a custom that the guy wanted me to be like, um, you seen the Poison Ivy video, movie? Some Poison Ivy movie. And the guy was straddled down to the chair or this thing, and he was putting like poison in him. So the guy wanted me to do that and go into like screaming and um, be tied up and going crazy. Like I was being transferred into a monster. Did you do it? Yes, I did. That actually sounds kind of fun. Yeah. In in, in leather. Yeah. Everything in leather. Honestly, I should have known I was bisexual yeah. with my <laughs> obsession with poison ivy. Oh, oh that's cool. <laughs> that is such a nice headboard. Like <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, that's important. I, I really want to, you know, I always say I want to live the life of, you know, a traveling 
dominatrix, but <laughs> I never do anything about it, but maybe in my next life. Maybe one day. Well, maybe you never know. When things um, get back cool, you can start back traveling. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And then my last question, which is equally as important, is the dungeon you work out of and all the dungeons you've seen, do most of them have LaCroix? I've noticed a trend where a lot of dominatrixes will have LaCroix in their dungeon, and I don't really know why, but I find it very fascinating. No, the ones that I'm dealing with, they go straight to the, they're straight to business. It's like the St. Andrew's Cross, the bondage table, even like my dungeon here at my house, I have a bondage table, spanking bench. I mean, we get a throne. Uh, I have a desk and I have a a little stool for like somebody that I'm punishing and put you in the corner for time out. No LaCroix though. No. Yeah, you're the first dominatrix that we've talked to who doesn't have LaCroix in their dungeon. Or any type of sparkling water. <laughs> Not that clearly you don't need to. I just thought it was funny some did. No, I've seen that at I've seen that. No, I didn't even have it at Mistress Carmel's. Huh. I wonder what the point of LaCroix is considering, you know, they're there to serve you. Yeah, Yeah, like. Yeah, we didn't want to have that going on. I mean, again, the spots that I worked, that I was going into, and even like my spot is just like, we're not using something that we don't need. We're not putting stuff that we don't really need. Everything has to serve a purpose because of the limited space. So you don't want to have anything, again, that you're not using. I mean, maybe if you want it for spiritual reasons or something like that, maybe. I don't know. But, um... Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe it's only in, like, tech hubs or something. I don't know. Maybe it's, yeah. Like San Francisco. Yeah. Is that where you saw it? In San Francisco. That makes sense. Oh, God. In San Francisco. I know so much about tech culture. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Because I was just thinking, I was just like, the ones, the dungeons in Europe, you know, and they're that typical gloomy, real dark type of, you know, black, black lights. Are there stylistic differences between dungeons in the U.S. and dungeons in Europe? Uh, I think that really is like a personal preference. Depends on the person. Okay. But but the styles are definitely different. I feel like some of the ones in Europe are more detailed and elaborate. Like their architecture, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really like, man, you can do some damage to someone. And people wouldn't even know that he was even going down in there. Damn. <laughs> yeah. God, I want to get dominated. Yeah. Like, some that were in, like, actual caves. I love that. That is so funny. So it gives you the whole experience. Nice and, like, cold inside. And then all of a sudden you see somebody strapped up to a <laughs> a wall. You're aware of how cool your job, like, really your life is, right? <laughs> like, you're you're self-aware of this? Yeah, I, I I started figuring that out when, like, people would tell me something. I'd be like, oh, cool. And I was thinking, I just seen something way cooler than that. Or either, like, I wanted to tell somebody something, but I, I didn't want them to feel like... Their life is less cool than yours, which it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because even, like... I've noticed the style of, like, subs. The subs here in the States are totally different from the ones in Europe. You know, the ones in Europe are really about that life. They're really about that life. Oh, they're really about that life. Yeah. Wow. Whereas the ones in America just, like, are, like, yeah, it's just a side thing or almost try to deny themselves of it. It's that because they're trying to feed, because they're trying to fit into society you know they don't they don't want to be exposed quote-unquote or be labeled as weird or something like that you know I think America also really breeds this idea of individualism where like you 
uh, as an individual or the most important person ever. And so you don't need X, Y, and Z to, to feel better. And like, I think that's half of the reason that nobody wants to wear a mask, you know, but in other countries, it's not a problem anymore. Yeah. It makes sense. Same reason, like why men won't go to therapy is because they don't, this individualism makes them think they don't need it because they they're fine. Yeah. Or either, that that, or either it symbolizes a sign of weakness, which it doesn't. And again, Ex- it's all the all the stigma behind these things that are really tools to help you as an individual. I mean, we all need help. We all need someone to talk to because you can't talk to everybody about certain things. And that's what we all know. And, you know, if it was that easy, people would just be like, oh, everything's cool, but it doesn't work that way. Not at all. <laughs> there are a lot of mental health issues, really, amongst everybody I know. So everybody yeah. could benefit from help. Yeah. Anyone. Well, Madam Kelly, it's about that time, but we've loved talking to you. This was such a good interview, and I feel like we've got so much more insight into the the Dom world. And like, we've never talked to anybody about what it's like to be a sex worker overseas and how like that might be different from being a sex worker here in America. So that was a really interesting conversation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of, man, I need to write a book. A lot of fun stories. People wouldn't even believe it. We'd promote it on the podcast. <laughs> all right well if you guys do you want to plug your social media so people can find you for sure so guys you can check me on instagram at kelly k-e-l-l-i dot pro and twitter at kelly provocat that's k-e-l-l-i p-r-o-v-o-c-a-t-e Perfect. Yes, please give her a follow. And if you guys want to follow us on social media, we're at Candy Girl Podcast on Instagram and at Candy Girl Pod on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us or for Kelly or for anyone else who's been on the show, please email us at candygirlpodcast at alec.com. Thanks, guys. And we'll hear from you next Friday. Fuck me, daddy. <laughs>